Welcome to Yolitics, the home of cold beer and hot takes on Texas politics. Hey there, welcome back to Yolitics. Whiteley with Wheeler here. What's going on, man? Uh, same old stuff. Uh, I hope that you can't hear uh, in the background here. There's work being done in my neighborhood here somewhere. I don't know what they're doing out there, but it's really loud. Are they? Is that where they're tearing your landscaping out and putting all new landscaping in? Yeah, I think that it's uh, probably messing up my landscaping mm. somehow, even though it's not a project that I think is benefiting me in some way. Uh, but something's going on out there. And keep I'm those sure plants and flowers. The mess. Yeah, keep the plants and flowers watered, though, uh, you know, while you're out there, man. That's getting challenging uh, these days. And uh, that's what this podcast is going to be all about, water. Uh, you know you're hearing a lot about it these days, too, because uh, we're just getting into that part of this summer. And this summer is worse than a lot of summers. You know, we always talk about this, Jason, but a lot of people are just joining us uh, or have just joined us recently here in Texas and moved here from other places. Uh, you, you moved here in a really hot summer this time around <laughs> and a really dry one as well. Uh, but water needs are nothing new here. We're going to dive all into that here in just a moment. Uh, first of all, what are you drinking? Yeah, you know, actually, no, before you put us on pause or turn us off, this is not a landscaping podcast. This is all about whether you can flush your toilet and have enough beer, water to make beer, rather. See, my mind's on something else. What are you drinking today, man? I am having a uh, community beer. Uh, this is the last one in the series, Jason, so you can um, you know, stop giving me a hard time about this. But this was the unfinished six-pack that somehow ended up in my fridge. Uh, <laughs> I never get a whole six-pack of something. And it's the Honey Citrus Blonde one last time here. I'm getting very accustomed to this, though. Yeah, indeed you are. I'm having the uh, the Elm Ranch. It's patio water. Okay, you like that. I like Hard that. seltzer. You, you, yeah. you thought ahead here as I, to what we're I, doing today. I planned for it, and this is. I think this is new. Now, uh, of course, Deep Elm Brewing Company is not new. It's in in, uh, in Dallas, uh, but this is. Uh, uh, where does it say in here? This is uh, patio water with real lime juice, salt, and electrolytes. And oh, then down electrolytes. below, wow. and electrolytes. This is your your type of beer right here, or your type of alcohol. And at the very bottom, it says in, in small letters, contains alcohol, though. <laughs> <laughs> so wait, so so this is uh, this is something I guess that you do after you exercise. Now you you, you get your electrolytes like this. Is that how ah, this smells? Works? It smells glorious, my friend. <laughs> the bouquet, the bouquet on this ranch water is fantastic. Oh geez, you're you're getting more and more high maintenance by the. How is that, by the way? Whew. It's not bad. It's, it is refreshing. Yeah. Um, so, you know. How, how, how's yours? Did you crack it open yet? Uh, I, I know how mine is. I've had this the past three <laughs> weeks. Remember? Uh, so it's, it, it's, it has really grown on me, and I, I don't know how I'm going to have anything else after this. But this, this right. cleans out the fridge finally. I had to create space, uh, and beers had been building up in there. And so uh, here we are. I've, I've gotten down to the last one in the fridge. I've done my part to clean out our fridge. Of course. Of course. So we're, we're talking about uh, water and, you know, over the past, what, year and a half, it seems like we've talked about the explosive growth in this state. It's flying. Yeah. And then we've talked about climate change and we've talked about whether we're going to have enough electricity uh, to get through these uh, unbearable summers that we're dealing with, at least right now, this, this, you know, triple digit temps across the state. And now we've got to look even longer term than, than that and talk about whether we're going to have enough water across the state. To flush the toilets and to wash dishes and take showers and things like that? Yeah, the state uh, takes a real long view on this, in, in case you're not familiar with that. They look out for about 50 years as they try to plan these things because, you know, quite frankly, it, you know, if you're going to do something on a massive scale to uh, 
you know, find another big source of water. It's going to take you a long time to do that. And so they look out quite a ways. And sometimes when they look out, uh, they, they look way out there in the distance in time and they realize that, oh, if we continue growing at this rate, uh, if we didn't do something here, we would be short this many millions of gallons of or you know billions of gallons of water. Uh, and so uh, basically that's how they lay it out. And then they start doing planning from there. And we all need water, but there is a big disagreement on how and where we should be getting that water, Jason. And that's what we're seeing play out once again here in Texas. Yeah, so let's zoom out for the folks who don't know this. I'm not from Texas, uh, Mm -hmm. but for people who don't realize this, Texas only has, I think, one natural lake in the entire state. Everything else is man-made across the state. And the uh, Dallas-Fort Worth area specifically it relies on 34 major water reservoirs um, to supply water for us. So when you turn on your tap in North Texas, you're going to have water. Mm-hmm. But the, the question is, not only in North Texas and the Dallas-Fort Worth area, but across the state, we're growing at record paces and all this farmland is being swallowed up for developments and for uh, you know communities and things like that. So we need yeah. more and more water, more and more taps to turn on. Um, and Right now, according to the Texas Water Development Board, the organization that state has that actually you know manages and, and forecasts our water use, usage, it says we're not going to have enough in Dallas-Fort Worth by 2070. But there's another guy in Austin who's really keeping tabs on this, Jason. It's Glenn Hager. You know the name. He's the state comptroller, the CFO for the state of Texas. And his office just put together a report on this very topic. It was a simple concept here. The question they really posed is, can Texas meet the demand for water with all the folks moving to the state right now? If they can't meet the demand, if this state cannot meet that demand, then the question is, what's at stake? Here's what Glenn Hager told us. If we didn't have a structure in the state of Texas to be able to go through our state water planning across the 16 regions, I would say I was very concerned with the fact that we've had decades long infrastructure put in place for regional planning, understanding what we need, reevaluating it continually as we grow, as we've grown. The Metroplex alone in the last few years has just unbelievably taken off. And so the point is that planning process gives me certainty. And the fact that the legislature in the past has understood we need to invest in water, we need to invest in that infrastructure. So that get, that that makes me hopeful that we're going to continue to meet that challenge. But with that being said, it is a daunting challenge with the growth that we're having in this state. Well, well talking to, to water planners in North Texas, they say, you know, at the end of the day, we really got to have more reservoirs, more big pots of water to have in different places. And and you probably know they've been talking for, for decades up here about building a new reservoir uh, northeast of the Metroplex. Everyone in the northeast side says, heck, no, we're not we're not giving up land for this. It, I'm curious what you think the answer is to this because yeah, the growth know, think, isn't stopping. It's, it's it's multiple facet. If you look in the Metroplex area, everybody talks about reservoirs. If you go down to the Houston area, it's it's a little different. West Texas, so every region of the state's a little bit different topic and discussion yeah. is my point. So it's going to take a lot of different pieces to the puzzle to answer how we get our water, and it's going to vary a little bit by region. You know, with lakes, it's interesting. Yes, we need a bigger pot to be able to hold the water, but one of the big issues over time is there's a continuing silting of that pot. And so the bucket may be this deep 
And then every year it gets a little shallower over time. And so how do we solve a silting up of our reservoirs? Because eventually that means in 10, 20, 30 years, the bucket's not as big as it used to be. And so how do you, you know, so, so, so you got to think long-term as in how do we make sure the bucket is pure and it doesn't have any holes in it per se or fill up. So it's interesting because there's a lot of issues, but I think, you know, Texas has a big track record of meeting, unfortunately, very significant droughts, which we're in one now. And uh, mm-hmm. those droughts are hard to go through. They're miserable for a lot of people, but they also remind us, oh yeah, we have to plan for the worst day not the best day and how do we meet that? And it's complicated, but I'm confident we're going to meet it. And that's one reason I'm going to get out this fall and talk about some of these issues, travel across the state, talk about the water challenges. And they're a little bit different in every region. That's why I'm going to hit most of the regions of the state and talk about that issue. Let me take one more minute of your time just on that subject right there. You put out this article on on the uh, Comptroller website there. Uh, it's kind of stunning uh, where you talk about losses that will happen if we can't meet the right. water needs here right. in Texas. By 2030, you say that the state would lose out on $138 billion in income and would lose 785,000 jobs if there's not enough water out there. And it just gets worse by the decade uh, in the projections. And That's pretty serious. That, when you just said 130, it wasn't million, it was billion. Yeah, we're talking. About, I mean, and you said that, but I just want to stress that that billion—that's unbelievable amounts of money that that we're talking about. The state economics could be impacted and loss of jobs, and so that's why you know water is really critical. There's one thing that we all have to have in life to be able to survive, and that one thing is called water, H two O. And so it's and- not just about in your house, in your business, economics. It's really about average daily survival. And if you look over time civilizations have literally, you wonder why that civilization does not exist anymore. Centuries ago, it's because there was a mega drought that they didn't know was going to come. They couldn't plan for it. And so, you know, you go, Glenn, come on, why are you bringing that up? Well, the point is we have history to understand. We're fortunate to be in this place. We just have to plan and make sure we're doing it. And fortunately, Texas has been planning for it. But what we didn't know when we set up the water plans originally, that we would grow a thousand people a day. (laughs) <laughs> that we have been for a decade and we're projected to continue to grow, but we have that knowledge and we need to make sure that we're investing in that water infrastructure because everybody wants to be able to get up and do what? Brush their teeth in the morning. Yeah, that definitely makes the game yeah. harder when you have that many more people arriving every day. And plus, you know, here we are in the, you know, the, the changing climate and you just wonder, you know, we're basing this on the worst years that we've known of. Might we see far worse in the future that we can't even, you know, imagine right now? And that's and that's what unfortunately the West Coast is is feeling now, so much of the West that what they thought was the drought of record, now we're in a fifteen hundred year drought out there. And and it's severe. And then you have wildfires, you have other issues. And so, you know, there's a lot of implications and and to talk about water, I guess, wow, how ironic the year I picked was a year of a mega drought, you know, a significant drought here in Texas. But it gets to highlight and get people's attention that, yeah, that's something the legislature needs to continue to stay focused on. And Texas Water Development Board, which is doing a good job to be able to meet all these issues and these needs that we have in Texas. So, yeah, uh, there you have it. I mean, we've all been seeing what's going on out west and uh, man, they are just running dry uh, out there with some of these humongous reservoirs that supply so many people uh, and and they're going through it. And as you just heard him say there, you know, they, too, thought that they were planning for, you know, pretty bad drought conditions when they uh, do their plans. 
they had no idea. Things have changed. There's something afoot uh, that, that's going on, and you've got to adjust your plans accordingly as the world around us is changing. And, and that's yet another challenge now for these water planners here in Texas, too. And I can't believe he said the 1500 year drought. I mean, we talk about it's a big deal when we cover a, a hurricane or a tropical storm and it's a hundred year storm or a 500 right. year storm, a 1500 year drought. Jeez. And when he's and, and when you talk about that, too, Jason, we're only halfway through summer. You right. know, does it get you know, does it become a 2000 year drought, a 2500 year drought as we go forward in time here? What are they dealing with there? And you know what? They're not that far away from us here. So if this is happening uh, on a, a much broader scale, you know, what will we be dealing with here? Yeah. So the largest metro area in, in uh, Texas is uh, Dallas, the Dallas, Fort Worth, Arlington, Irving area, Plano area. And this place is exploding with growth. And the idea here now is we, we, I mentioned early on in the, in the podcast here, we get our water from 34 different reservoirs. Um, across North and East Texas. Um, but with the explosion in growth, the forecast is we'll need at least four or five more reservoirs to help keep water in everyone's homes. The question is, where they build these things? Because people don't want their land flooded for a reservoir to go in. I mean, I, I, I get that. I don't live in an area that you can you know, intentionally flood, but I completely understand the, the private property rights, et cetera. There is an organization called the Texas Conservation Alliance, and Janice Besenson is uh, the senior policy director over there. And she, she's been, you know, fighting this issue left and right for years, trying to keep the state from building new reservoirs. She says there are completely different ways to go about this. And Janice, this is your first appearance here on Yalitics. How are you? Welcome to the show, actually. Doing great. Thanks for having me on. Definitely. So let's start with the main points here. DFW needs a lot of water in the future. And, and Dallas and Fort Worth and the communities all around DFW and North Texas say, hey, we want to build four or five new reservoirs and we want one of them to be over uh, between Sulphur Springs and Texarkana, uh, just south of Clarksville there, the Marvin Nichols Reservoir. You guys have been fighting this for a long time. Why is this a bad idea? Marvin Nichols Reservoir will have a tremendous negative impact on the environment, people, and economy of Northeast Texas. If this were the only way for Dallas-Fort Worth to get the water they need, that would be one thing. But there are actually a number of viable alternatives that have less impact, and some of them are actually less expensive. And so um, how do you convince people? Because, uh, you know, once these things get rolling, it's kind of hard to stop them. Uh, how do you convince people to, hey, go look elsewhere for your water? Well, presenting them with some facts is a good mm -hmm. way to start. If you look at the numbers, and we can, if the Dallas-Fort Worth area were to do uh, get its water used down to levels that some of the other cities in Texas have done, it already has enough water to meet its projected demand for the year 2070. Another option is to increase the amount of water that is reused and recycled. The, the wastewater that goes down, down the drain is cleaned up before it's put back into the environment. Instead of putting it back into a stream, you can clean it up to levels to put it back into the drinking water supply. And Janice, we've seen that done in other places. I think I was out in uh, somewhere close to Abilene 
uh, several years ago when they started doing that. And, you know, they run it through the whole process and then they've got sort of this little cooler at the end and they're like, here's a glass, go help yourself. That was wastewater, uh, but we have cleaned it up to the point where we're ready to guzzle it down. Um, Is it hard to convince people to do that, though? It is beginning to be accepted much, much more. It's being done all over the world. I read just yesterday that Los Angeles is planning uh, a direct potable reuse, as they call it, facility. It has tremendous advantages because the facility is small. You can put it right next to your existing water treatment plants. Or you can do it with wetland filtration where you create wetland areas like the John Bucker Sands wetlands uh, in the Dallas-Fort Worth area. And when you do that, you get tremendous wildlife benefits on the side. Janice, you know, there's a saying in North Texas, uh, flush twice because Houston needs the water. (laughs) If we start, (laughs) Houston takes the water out of the Trinity River that flows on south. Uh, But if Dallas-Fort Worth starts... Uh, you know, keeping its wastewater and really recycling that. W- what does that mean downstream to the big city of Houston? Well, the water can, is is taken out of the system, used and put back and taken out and put back. So it's not going to change. Uh, now, if you take it out and put it on your lawns and evaporate it, then you lose some water. Hmm. So all these things would have to be calculated, but there's a tremendous potential for the Dallas-Fort Worth area to do more recycling. You said something just a moment ago uh, that piqued my interest too. And and basically you were saying you don't necessarily need more water sources. You you know, you need to bring your, your water usage into line with uh, other places. Are, are we just using too much water in DFW? Well, what we're doing is watering our lawns too much. Hmm. Uh, Lawn watering is about roughly half the usage of a municipality. Hmm. Wow. And there's plenty of water existing today for other uses, for household and business uses. So it's really just the lawn watering that's driving building these new reservoirs. The people in Northeast Texas are going to wind up losing their homes, their livelihoods, the land that's been in their family for decades. Just so people in North in the Dallas Fort Worth area can water their lawns. Yeah, let's talk about how this works because if folks aren't from Texas, they may not realize this. But Texas only has, I think, one or two actual lakes um, in the state. Everything else is man-made, and the way they do it for folks who don't know is they will find a bunch of uh, you know a, a low-level area, low-lying areas, and they will physically flood it. And the Marvin Nichols Reservoir, the idea is to uh, permanently inundate more than 60, 62,000 acres of forests and family ranches. And not only will it affect the families who own these own this land and this property, but also the wildlife habitat and then, uh, you know, forcing people to physically relocate somewhere else. That That's staggering when you think about that. I mean, it really is, you know, one side against the other to the scales of justice here, huh? It is, and it isn't just the, it's actually 66,000 acres is the current estimate that will be inundated. But the Federal Clean Water Act requires that the lost wetland and habitat be mitigated. And the lowest estimate I've seen for the mitigation land is that twice as much land will be taken out of production as will be inundated. So this is an impact of 200,000 acres taken off the tax rolls, taken out of production, the the 
the input from this mostly timber and ag land taken out of the economy. How many people are we talking about over there with this impact? Well, thousands of people would lose land directly. Hundreds of people would lose their homes. But the whole economy would be affected because timber and agriculture are the primary economic base of the region. So banking and retail and insurance, all the other restaurants, whoever services the people that work in those industries will also be impacted. And Janice, I've been in Texas 20, 22 years so far, and and I've heard about this thing forever, how DFW needs another reservoir um, or or more reservoirs. Where does this one stand now? Because y'all been fighting this for, for a long time. It was proposed in back in 2001, and there was a tremendous fight against it then, and it got postponed. But, but in the last revision of the state water plan, it was again moved forward to a time frame that's comparable to when they would actually start building it in the near future. So what, what, what is that time frame? What, what is that time frame? Uh, It's to be completed by the year 2050 and in operation, but the proponents have always said it will take them 30 years to get it permitted and built, and 2050 is only 28 years from now. Hmm. It seems like uh, we we saw a period there where we didn't see a lot of new reservoirs being created. Now, uh, we've got a couple of them coming online uh, in the not-too-distant future here in Fannin County in North Texas. And, and I'm curious, uh, Janice, is this a battle that you and the other folks there at the Texas Conservation Alliance are going to be fighting over and over and over again as we go forward? Because, you know, the state has been projecting this out. Uh, they look forward 50 years, uh, as you say, and uh, they're projecting that by 2070, uh, the state doesn't have enough water. In fact, it's uh, quite a bit short. Um is this something that you're just going to have to keep fighting over and over and over again? Or at some point, you know, where, where are we going to get the water? What I hope will happen more and is happening more and more is people are realizing that reservoirs are not the future of water supply. Uh, we need to be doing more aqua storage and recovery. We need to use the reservoirs that we already have. One thing I didn't get to when we were talking about um, options. Uh, Lake Texoma has a huge amount of water in it that's allocated to flood storage. That could be reallocated to water supply. It's very close to the DFW region and pipelines are very expensive. That's a good source of water. Toledo Bend Reservoir on the Louisiana border has five times as much water developed in it as Marvin Nichols will develop. Almost nobody is using that water. Only trivial amounts of that water is being used. That needs to be used first before we keep building more and more reservoirs. So why aren't we using those? Because there are people who find it very much in their interest to build reservoirs. It's a huge industry. It's an industry comparable to the oil and gas industry or has been over the last 50 years. This is a... This is, there's a tremendous push from people who build the reservoirs. So it, does it just come down to pipelines to, to, to pipe some of this stuff in from the Louisiana border and from the Red River up there? Yes. Uh, now, the water in Lake Texoma would have to be a 
have a little bit of desalination or blending because it's a little bit too salty, but it's not salty like the ocean. It's just a little bit too salty. The water in Toledo Bend is great. It's a little bit longer pipeline than Marvin Nichols, but you don't, but the impacts have all been already happened. They happened 50 years ago. Why repeat those impacts with Marvin Nichols when you get get your water there? Well, here we are in drought once again uh, here in Texas, and it looks like a, a, a you know pretty severe one, even you know by our standards this year. It's been dry. It's been very hot, uh, and you know we know what those lakes look like out there. Those reservoirs look like, and you know there's a lot of evaporation that comes off the top of them too. Um, I'm curious when you say that reservoirs are not the future of the water supply in Texas. Uh, that's a, a radical new way of thinking compared to the way the state has always done this. Where, what will be the future, do you think? Well, those dry lakes are the clearest of illustrations of why reservoirs are not the way of the future. If indeed clim- the climate becomes drier, as many people are predicting, the last thing you want to do is build a reservoir because the amount of evaporation is dependent on the surface area uh, of the lake. And the more lake surface area you have, the more water you lose to the system. It's evaporated. The winds take it to Louisiana or the Gulf, and you never see it again. So don't not building reservoirs. The aquifer storage and recovery is a tremendous um, asset, will be a tremendous asset if it, people go to that a lot more, particularly in West Texas, because then you store it underground and it doesn't evaporate. Hmm. We're opposing Lake Ringgold, which is another uh, reservoir being proposed in Clay County by the Wichita Falls right now. We're in a contested contested case hearing. Water from that, their existing reservoir that they already use could be put underground and stored there, and it would greatly increase the amount of water you get out of that system because it wouldn't be evaporating it off the existing lakes. And you're talking about putting it in existing aquifers. Is that where you're talking about the aqua storage? Yes. But you mentioned the the uh, economic impact for the Marvin Nichols Reservoir, if indeed that that you know comes to fruition. The Texas Water Development Board says this is the report I was reading from 2021. It estimates the annual combined loss income in 2070 in the DFW area would be 48 billion dollars. And uh, 473,000 jobs would be lost. I- I'm curious how, how you kind of weigh that against the, uh, you know, the impact that the Marvin Nichols Reservoir would have for folks in East Texas. Well, that economic impact would only happen if they don't have water at all. I've just given you four totally good ways for them to get the water, for Dallas-Fort Worth to get the water that don't involve building a new reservoir. And there are others. Do, do you ever, Janice, you've been fighting, you've been fighting these, some of these issues for a long time. Do you ever just hit your head against the wall and say, why don't you guys get it? I mean, Wheeler's a little hardheaded, but like, I'm talking about like the this, this state guys. A little. <laughs> it's pretty frustrating, particularly when you see such things as the, the uh, consulting firm that advises the regional water planning uh, the you know the water plan the individual uh, right I'm sorry the consulting firm that advises the regional water plan and actually in this essence drafts the water plan for the Dallas Fort Worth region is the same engineering firm that will make 
over a billion dollars in revenues off of building Marvin Nichols Reservoir. We think that's a conflict of interest. It isn't apparently legally a conflict of interest, but almost every time I bring it up, people say, isn't that a conflict of interest? Um, you and your organization uh, take on some real Goliaths here when you battle these projects, as you just kind of laid out there. Um, how often do you walk away not banging your head against a wall, but you know, throwing your arms up into the air and celebrating because you, you've gotten a victory, you've turned something back, you've changed uh, minds of, of state leaders and, and altered their course? We've done quite a bit of that in the past. Uh, and, and, and I say we, I don't mean just my organization, a huge coalition of people. Very often the, the landowners who are impacted, uh, conservation groups, people concerned with cost. There's always broad coalitions of people who oppose these reservoirs. And we've had quite a few successes in the past, but then leading to a gap during between the 1990s, the early 2000s, there weren't any reservoirs built for quite some time, but now they seem to be heating up again. So, so let's rewind and tell us what's going to happen next with the Marvin Nichols Reservoir. What, is, is this thing in, in court proceedings yet, or uh, where are we? As of this writing, no one has applied for a permit. There are two permits that are required, one with the state for the water rights, one with the federal government, uh, which goes to the Corps of Engineers for, um, you know, it, in, because of the impacts on wetlands. Uh, neither of these have an uh, active application. We have been talking about this reservoir a lot lately because of the change in the water plan. Not only was it moved forward by 20 years for its target date, but the proponents of it had been, had you know, in a previous water plan had agreed not to apply for a permit for at least the next five years until the next water plan. During the last water plan, they wouldn't make that agreement. So we took this as a signal that it's, you know, imminent. So are you just kind of sitting there waiting for something to happen, waiting for something to be filed and then start the ball rolling or what? Well, we've been trying to do some um, education, uh, media work, social media work to get people to understand that this is not the right way to get water for the Dallas-Fort Worth area. And... If, you know, if it be, and there's there's beginning to be media attention to it, the more it is talked about, you know, the more we gives us an opportunity to let people know that there are wonderful alternatives that do not have the impacts of building more than nickels. I was going to ask you, how do you how do you get people's attention? How do you shake people uh, these days? Because I don't think most of us really give a whole lot of thought to this unless, you know, like recently we had a, a community uh, in North Texas that actually ran out of water. They, they, they had, um, you went to the, the faucet and turned it on and it didn't come out. Then people thought about it. How do you get people to care or be concerned about water issues with, with everything else they've got going on and to think about a, a reservoir that may or may not be? Well, it's difficult because People don't think about where their water is coming from. Why should they? They turn on the tap and the water comes out. The The city that lost its water supply recently didn't lose it because there weren't enough reservoirs. It was a, a supply chain issue, as we say these days. Mm -hmm. um, 
the the people who are opposing the Lake Ringgold Reservoir, for example, recently testified before a Senate committee about you know what what the total picture of that reservoir is. We're hoping to get the attention of uh, some of our statewide leaders in the next legislature because the Water Development Board and other you know everyone is saying things like aquifer storage and recovery is good. The water reuse recycling is becoming much talked about all over the world and happening a whole lot more. Uh, and the wonderful thing about that is it's drought proof because it's a, dependent on how much water is used, not on how much is what the rainfall is. So as climate change begins to be felt, you know, the pinch begins to be felt, people are going to have a tremendous incentive to go to some of these more sensible options. And this is a dumb question, probably, but for the aquifer storage, I don't know how this works below ground. I, I don't know what, how things work above ground most of the time, but as far as <laughs> below ground goes, um, are these just like essentially empty shale, empty caverns where the, the water table was and we can pump water back down in there? Is that how that works? It's Texas well, limestone, Jason. I see. I don't know, man. It filters up through. When you pump water into an aquifer under pressure, it kind of creates a bubble of the water that you, I mean, that's not the technical term for it, I assure you, but it, it creates an area that this water stays and you can bring it back up. I'm not an engineer. I wouldn't want to try to explain it in a lot of detail, but like, for example, El Paso has been doing this for a long time. Mm -hmm. uh, and it's 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 wonderful because then the water doesn't evaporate. It's it stays there. It stays of the same quality, and then you can pump it out and use it in the normal fashion. And and we have these enormous aquifers uh, that that sit under uh, Texas. You know, you got the Edwards Aquifer uh, that that San Antonio is very reliant upon. I think it's the Ogallala uh, that a lot of Texas relies upon. There's enormous space. Did I pronounce that wrong? Y'all are both smiling. No, you're just dropping your knowledge on us here, man. Yeah. No, I, these are not, well, not, these are well uh, known. Go ahead. Janice, uh, you might have some competition here when it comes to conservation. Wheeler knows all about the aquifers here, evidently. I'm just curious, though. It sounds like there's quite a bit of storage down there. Uh, if indeed the state wanted to sort of take that tact a little bit, there, there's already some space down in there. It probably would be smaller aquifers that were used for storage. Mm -hmm. uh, there's so much water being pumped out of those two aquifers that it would probably be one that, you know, doesn't that, that they can put it in and take it out and, you know, control mm -hmm. the process better. The Ogallala is this enormous reser uh, reservoir of what we call fossil water because it's been accumulating for millions of years all over the Great Plains. Mm -hmm. And that's what's used for agriculture in West Texas. And it's coming down. It's coming down to the point that now people are having to dig deeper wells and and it's not the source, you know, not as cost effective a source of water as it used to be for agriculture. So, Janice, the uh, last question I have for you is the legislature gets back to Austin in January. What are you hoping the state lawmakers can do for you and the uh, Marvin Nichols proposed reservoir, if anything? Well, as I say, there have been some interim committees who've been looking at water supply, looking and and there's been some talk of do we have too many re reservoirs uh, recommended in the water plan? The, the answer is an emphatic yes. 
from my point of view, but there are statewide leaders who are beginning to ask these questions and look at these things more critically. Janice, my last one for you is how long do you think it's going to be realistically before you know, the vast majority of Texans start to get much more comfortable with the idea of I'm going to flush my toilet. That water is going to go through a wastewater treatment plant. It's then going to go through a water treatment plant and it's going to be recycled back into my water supply. And I'm going to be totally fine with that. How long do you think realistically it's going to take for Texans to come around to that idea in mass. Well, let me ask Wheeler the same question. How long is it going to take you to come around to that idea? I mean, come I, on. I will admit when I toured that plant uh, <laughs> near Abilene, I did not have a glass. Uh, but, you know, I mean, desperation will cause you to start considering things that maybe you didn't consider before. And if it's a you know choice between that and not having enough water, then you start changing your mind. They do it up on the space station. Uh, yeah. Don't they? Uh, I think the increasing the persistent drought is going to speed this time frame out it already is speeding it up like i say there are two or three places in california who are adding it el paso's done it for a long time uh san angelo's done it for a long time san antonio's done it in the past wichita falls had a a uh, i think it's probably wichita falls where you toured it they they did it during the last drought now they're converted to what's called indirect they just put the water back in the lake but mm-hmm. they're still recycling their their wastewater and quite frankly it's better quality water than comes out of the tap if you do the the full filtration direct what's called direct reuse um, you use rever- techniques like reverse osmosis that make for cleaner water than than anything that's going to come out of the lake do you hear that jason that's what they do for bottled water, and you drink bottled water all the time. Well, Janice, uh, Wheeler, we should have prefaced it earlier. Wheeler only drinks iceberg water from the Arctic, um, so he has it. He has it flown in, so um, he's very peculiar about that. Janice, thank, thanks so much for the time. We appreciate it. Uh, it it's an enlightening conversation, and, and judging by the conversation, it's likely we'll be calling you back uh, as things progress. Probably on this. I would love to talk to you anytime. Janice, thank you. So there you have it, Jason. Um, She says, she says there that you are going to get comfortable with this idea at some point of that wastewater being recycled back through. Think of all the other things, though, that you take in or use that are recycled. They've been used by somebody else. It's just water. Well, at the end of the day, uh, yeah, but, uh, you know, it isn't all all water has been recycled, uh, you know, since the start of time. It's not like there's a a fresh water supply that gets piped into the planet uh, all the time. Right. But I, I wonder what Houston's going to do. I, I did a story um, probably 10 years ago now um, with one of the, the waste treatment plants here in Dallas. And they had, you know, jars of what water looks like when it arrives halfway through the process of cleaning it up uh, all the way down. And, you know, the nicest stuff that they get done with is still like cloudy water. But then it goes to a, a water treatment plant and gets, you know, cleaned up before it puts, gets put in a pipe to your house. But the joke was, they would always say, oh, well, don't worry about that. That We send that down to Houston. That goes down to Houston. That goes down the Trinity River to Houston. 
<laughs> well, and it does. Um, it, but, you know, the thing is, is, you know, there's all kinds of animals in the river, too, and they go just yeah, as well uh, in the water. And then it all gets cleaned up and somebody drinks it. So yeah. eventually, Jason, uh, we're all going to get comfortable with this or you're just going to stop drinking water and you will only take in. What is it? Your porch water that you have there with your porch electrolytes? water. It's patio that that's water, called, man. Porch Come water? on, dude. Come on. Dude. Patio <laughs> water. You know, there's something's going to have to happen with this, though, because and whether it's politics or donations or whatever it might be, they've got to figure out a way to to get this state the the water it needs, the electricity mm-hmm. it needs, uh, mm-hmm. how to handle climate change, et cetera. Um, it was interesting. She said El Paso has been doing this for quite a while, reusing the aquifer, uh, pumping water back into it. Right. I I don't know enough about how that physically works. That seems like it wouldn't be as big of a deal. But as a resident in North Texas, um, you know, every time they try to do some, uh, uh, you know, break up the shale to pull oil out, um, they cause earthquakes left and right around here. Remember that probably right. five, ten years ago? Well, these things are down there. I mean, this, this space is down there. Uh, right. I think it's fascinating, though. The idea that uh, Janice Bezanson, by the way, uh, I think you said Bezanson. You sure about that? We're going to rewind I am this. Sure about that. I asked her, um, and uh, so you know, as she tells it, you know, it's going to be fascinating to see if this movement, this idea, can get enough traction to start changing minds in you know elected positions. And then you start talking about the industry that they are up against. As she mentioned, right. this is sort of a a water industrial complex here uh, <laughs> that you're you're fighting up against because there's a lot of people who make a lot of money off of water. And guess what? As we go forward a decade, two decades, three decades, the people who make money off of water are going to be making a lot more money off of water because water is going to become the new gold if it hasn't already. Uh, and so look out for that. It'll be interesting to see you know, how do you change policy when a lot of people are heavily, heavily invested? Are you investing in water rights or something like that or any of these water funds? Uh, if I had done a lot of that, Jason, I wouldn't be sitting here on a podcast with you right now. Yeah, wait, wait, wait I'd be out that one on through. a waterfront somewhere uh, <laughs> on a really nice uh, porch, maybe, and maybe even having that really fancy porch beer that you're having right now. Uh, I doubt you'd have fruit in yours, man. I, I doubt that. <laughs> it had lime. You said it had lime in it. You, you had me at lime. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Guys, thanks so much for listening. As always, we always appreciate it. And, uh, you know, leave us a comment. We, we, we've Thank our uh, you know listeners who have been with us for for so long, and if you're brand new to Yolitics, thanks for uh, downloading the podcast here. Uh, Wheeler certainly appreciates it, and you're getting him one step closer to that beach vacation. I um, feel like it feels like it's getting further and further away, like you're walking down one of those hallways in a horror movie, you know, where the <laughs> hallway just stretches out, you know, between me and that deck uh, that eventually <laughs> right. I'm going to be sitting on one day. But yeah, leave us a comment. Let us know what you think, especially about you know, are you comfy? With this idea of you know recycling that water and, and 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 drinking it back through after it's already been flushed, but it's been cleaned and cleaned and cleaned, and as Jason says, all water is already recycled. 